This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to The Blank Podcast, the podcast where we talk to well-known people about their lives, their careers and those difficult moments along the way. I'm Giles Perry Phillips and I've slumped down in my chair somehow here as I'm talking to Jim Daly. I don't know, sorry, I need to sit up really. I feel very, very lazy. Or oh, do you just feel very relaxed? Is there a difference? Yeah, I think, oh actually is there a difference? Uh, I think relaxed is more acceptable i don't know <laughs> lazy is more, <laughs> so <frowned upon>. more <laughs> um yes we'll go with relax then okay i don't want to be frowned upon no I, you can't i don't think you ever could be frowned upon i could never frown upon you you're a, you're an unfrownable upon person oh i think there's probably been lots of frowns <laughs> over the years <laughs> well all right when it comes to slumping in a chair you're on you're okay. unfrownable um i didn't even notice you were slumped actually so you're yeah, now I'm really conscious about my, my seat positioning and my posture. You, you're sit, obviously people can't see us, but you sit quite forward, don't you, when you're podding? Yeah. Is that because your desk is further forward? My microphone I've is got, sort of on my desk. You have the mic yeah. arm, I think you can bring it. But I have to, if I sit back in my chair, I think I'm too far away from the, yeah. from the mic. But then I can see myself on the Zoom call. My, a lot of my window is just my forehead. It's just like right there. <laughs> That's not true. So sort of, is that because you're wearing a hat? Yeah. Again. I'm, yeah. I'm sort of conscious of my big forehead. Um, I need to do the. I need to do the thing where you turn yourself off more on Zoom. Oh, like we did in the last. Yeah. Hide self view. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot better. It's a lot better. Well, I've not tried it. I'm going to try it too. Is it in the where do you top do right it? corner? Hide self. The, oh yeah. yeah. Hide, so it's just you. I see. I can now. just see you. Yeah. Yeah. This, is this better or weirder? I don't know. I think when for, for this, I don't know. I think maybe I'm just um, I like seeing myself. Maybe <laughs> what's that called? What's that called? Narcissism. Narcissism. <laughs> 
It's more of a kind of checking, oh, God. Yeah. You, yeah, you still look terrible. <laughs> but you wouldn't do that normal in face-to-face. Obviously, you wouldn't have a mirror that you're checking. No, that's right. true. That's true. So I, think actually, I wonder if we will become more self-conscious as a as an as a society because now mm-hmm. we can see ourselves I think constantly. it's I think I think this hide self view is a good idea because I think after a few seconds you forget that you can't see yourself so I think actually maybe it's better mm. one less thing to worry about isn't it because exactly. we we worry about a lot so well and I don't know what the statistics are I don't know if anyone's done any um analysis of this but do we look at ourselves more on zoom when we when we're on the camera do we look at ourselves more than the other person i reckon so yeah i yeah i mm. would not be surprised if that turned out to be the case and i'm sure someone has done a study on that somewhere um but yeah i think we probably do mm. it's, it's it's what are you like when you walk past the mirror because i always look at the mirror and not not in like a hey look at this guy more in like a oh god my hair's a mess or yeah uh, car car windows yeah, car, the reflection yeah. in car windows which is not it's not a good gauge of what you look like because no. it's a bit like going into one of those um, mystery mirror rooms, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know because you, you become all these different shapes and sizes. Yeah, um, They're the worst, but I'm always doing that. But again, just saying, oh, my God, I've put on so much It's weight. more to check that oh. you don't look terrible mm. rather than to check that you do look good. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, you know, I think you know, that thing about being vain mm. and oh, you're always checking yourself. But it, I think a lot of time it is people who are checking to make sure they don't look terrible yeah. as opposed to... Like, I look amazing. I think um, very few people look in the mirror and think I look amazing. Nearly everyone picks out flaws, which we come on to in... No, we don't. That was last week's episode. Um, pick out flaws, which is completely natural. Next week's. Next week's. Yeah, sorry. Cut that bit. Um, yeah, nearly always sort of pick out flaws, which I think is completely mm. natural. But with car windows, because they're angled, you're then mm. getting reflection from below normally. And they always say, like, mm. that's the worst one because you can see chins and stuff but actually yeah if you're taking a photo it needs to be like a selfie it needs to be from up high because you get a better angle of your jawline and all that kind of but stuff either so. way it's wrong isn't it like either way it's kind of wrong yeah yeah true yeah, yeah true you're getting the natural person aren't you so yeah no anyway i don't know where this is going well but, i was gonna um, say it's... speaking of a natural person on this oh. week's podcast <laughs> that kind of works doesn't Tend- it? <laughs> tenuous segue well i tenuous would say segue. it is tenuous but i mean that is that is what i do um I actually think we've got one of the most genuine people we've had on. I mean, I mean everyone we have one as on is genuine, but in terms of who they are, what you and mm. in terms of what you see on screen versus what you see in person, I would say, and this week's guest is the amazing Reese Darby, who we are huge mm. fans of. Yeah. It was exactly the same. It's exactly yeah. the same. He is that positive bundle of energy, uh, off screen as much as on it, and and mm. as a result, we've ended up having an incredibly funny. Yeah. chat with him this week it's just been an absolute joy and for two people who are huge fans of his you know going back to like flight of the concourse and stuff like that and mm. i mean what a, what an honor it was to chat to him and it lived up to all my expectations yeah i mean uh, yeah huge fan of reese's work i mean like you say fight the concords and then he's popped up in various different films and even my kids are into him now like haven't seen the jumanji movies because he pops up in those and um all his uh the work he's done with Taika Waititi, so things like Hunt for the Wilder People, mm. where, uh, what they do in the shadows, which is brilliant, brilliant New Zealand films and comedies. Um, and I guess also a bit of a pioneer for that New Zealand comedy scene. You know, we talk about that quite a lot on the podcast, but yeah, and also interestingly, his 
background in comedy or or his kind of uh, diet of comedy as a child was very much British comedy and British sitcoms. Yeah. I mean, we he was uh, we were allowed. I was allowed to reminisce about various different sitcoms, including some mothers do have them uh, with Frank Spencer. And I did actually tweet uh, to Reese this week a little scene from that. <laughs> Particular episode Amazing. so that he could also remember because but I, actually you know i started as soon as i said the word dad's army yeah. i said dad's Army," you could see him light up and you know he was doing fist pumps at the <laughs> at the um at the screen and stuff so it's you know it's obviously has a, a, a some wonderful memories for him and i know he sort of used to watch them with his mom and yeah they're just it was lovely to talk about those things and it's nice to hear about those shared experiences with comedy and obviously it stood him in good stead for, for his career as well massively and we do talk actually about sort of the new zealand comedy scene and uh how much it's uh it's blossoming in our patron section this week so if you want to hear about reese talk about that uh do sign up to our patron it's where of course we offer bonus content on all our guests uh just for our patrons it's available at patreon which is p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash blank podcast uh, and you can sign up and, and get extra uh reese content you can and it's great it was great chat extra chat with him and yeah there were so many great moments in this podcast i mean yeah we'd laughed an awful lot um yeah. you know he's telling us about being in the army and i mean that picture that was behind him as yeah. well suit <laughs> suit boy suit man that was, that was, that was suit man which is one of his great characters <laughs> yeah um <laughs> so yeah there's so much good stuff in this episode and yeah i mean like i say people will know reese from from the various different film work and there's a massive project that's coming up with HBO and Taika Waititi where uh, Reese will be the lead in a new comedy um, historical comedy sh- show that's going to be on soon so um, watch out I think his his star is rising ever further so you know it's great that we've been able to have this chat with him yeah and of course he was in New Zealand yeah and we were in the UK so he was it was sort of 9am his time and and 10pm yeah. our time and so yeah it was a bit of a late one for us but um, yeah it, uh, it was good in a way because I, I think as the more tired I get, the more giggly I get. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. I think I was the same. I mean, to be yeah. honest, I would have I'd have chatted at two a.m. to him. To be honest, it would I'd have yeah. done any time. Um, mm. But yeah, it was it was a bit of a giggly one. It's great. It's very funny and a lot of uh, yeah. a lot of fun to be part of it. Um, and we yeah. will crack on with our episode in a minute, but not mm. before we have read out some tweets. So, uh, Giles, I'm going to read two tweets if I'm allowed mm. to. If that's okay. Yeah. As many as you like, mate. Here's one from Amelia Robson who says, After the line of duty finale last week, I decided I'd give a listen to the Blank Pod episode with the wonderful Vicky McClure. And as always, it was incredibly fun and wonderful, wonderfully enlightening. If you haven't checked out the podcast yet, I hugely recommend it. Well, thank you so much, Amelia. That's lovely. And yeah, Vicky was such a fantastic guest. Yeah. It was such a joy talking to She's her. She's such a lovely person. I love Vicky. Yeah, she was absolutely brilliant. Um, so thank you so much for that. And I've got another one here from Naya mm. Jones. Nia Jones, Nia Jones. I hope I've got that right with one of those. Um, it says, I've just listened to the wonderful Blank Pod with Giles and Jim, joined by the brilliant actor and writer Patterson Joseph. Ah, oh, oh, what a man. Another great person. Oh, we had so many great guests. He was just there. brilliant. Um, a joy to listen to, uplifting, funny, with some great insight and advice too. Good job, lads. Thank you so much. And yeah, I mean, yeah, chatting to Patterson was such a joy. Um, oh, I love Patterson. <laughs> great guy. That guy. was great. I had to go and watch some Peep Show after that as well. Um, but yeah, he was <laughs> he was brilliant. So thank you so much to uh, to Naya for or Nia. I hope yeah um, for that tweet. 
So I've got a tweet, Jim, from one of our future guests. Oh. It's Sophie Green. Oh, uh, so people will know Sophie from Twitter. She does some amazing artwork. Um, and she's put, my favourite podcast to listen to whilst I'm painting. Please do go check out the Blank Pod if you oh, haven't no. already. So, yeah, um, Sophie does amazing artwork. So um, And we're going to be talking to her in a few weeks. So um, that's very nice that she's listened to. Uh, and it's the Patterson Joseph episode she's been listening to as well. So that's kind of works well with your last message. So, yeah, thank you so much, Sophie. Well, I mean, we should probably just dive into this week's episode, Jim. And, um, yeah, it's the amazing Reese Darby on the Blank Podcast. I'd like to start, if I can, want to ask you about your sort of journey into comedy. Um, and I was thinking earlier, like, when I kind of got into comedy growing up, it was kind of a very much a shared pastime. Like, you know, it would be something that you did with the family. You know, like, I remember my dad making me watch all sorts of funny sitcoms, you know, like Some Mothers Do Have Them and um, Dad's Army, which is still shown literally every Saturday night in the yes. um, I don't know how many, I don't know how many series they did. I don't, <laughs> it's like on a constant loop. Yeah. Um, and then later on, I guess doing, like I, I got into watching stuff on my own a bit more, like Blackadder and, and Python reruns and stuff. But, but what was it for like for you growing up? Did, was, did you have a shared, was there someone in the family that made you watch some of these shows. Well, you've just mentioned all the shows that I've I watched as well growing up. Uh, those exact shows, yeah, here in here in New Zealand. So I, I guess our television was was very British. Um, there was some American stuff. I mean, we had Mash and Cheers. So we yeah. we were lucky. We actually had the best of both sides of the Atlantic. Um, and so yeah, we were spoiled. And so it's no wonder that our own homegrown stuff took a, a long time to get going, to get the confidence to go, what about, <laughs> should we give it a go? You know? And so it never really, you know, we had a, a few local um, comedy shows, McPhail and Gadsby. They were, uh, they were comics here in New Zealand, um, very uh, political, but they would, they would do great impressions um, of, of local MPs and things like that. Um, we had, of course, uh, Billy T. James, uh, he was our New Zealand uh, local um, entertainer, all-round entertainer, uh, funniest guy in town. Um, you know, so there was there was bits of local stuff. Uh, I could mention more, the top twins, uh, John Clark, who, of course, who was Fred Dagg, who ended up uh, living in Australia. But for the most part... Um, I was in that bracket of of watching, and I, I only had my mother. I was just mum and I growing up. So um, yeah, we just watched what was what was on TV, and it was those shows, and also open all hours. Mm. Uh, and so yeah, yes. and so I would watch that with mum. And yeah, we had we you know Dad's Army was really probably the big one. It really was, uh, and ain't half hot, <laughs> hot mum. Um, so of we course, had yeah. we had all the David Croft, uh, Heidi High. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I I love them all, and so I was. And and you you mentioned um, some others to have them. I mean, that was that I modeled my life on that guy. I said I. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Crawford. Yeah. Oh, so, Frank Spe- Frank Spencer. Yeah, absolutely. Because I just yeah. I just found him so amazing, <laughs> and I thought I could. And you know, when I realized he could do his own stunts, he did his own stunts oh, in that man, sitcom. Yeah. And you know, this isn't even a. Uh, really, his career wasn't about being a comic actor. You know, he was a he was a, a singer. A, he was a song and dance guy, wasn't mm. he? So, what an extraordinary yeah, yeah. person! Um, and of course, we also had all the British game shows, um, uh, Game of Life. You know, with um, you know the one I'm talking about. Generation the generation game. game. Oh, Sorry, generation it is. Game. I, yeah. I do apologise. It is early for me. That's you right. caught me in a during a comedy festival, <laughs> getting up at eight o'clock on a Thursday morning, which isn't right for comedians. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's not. But good. to to answer your question, um, yes, I do enjoy the works of. No, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> No, to... it was your comedy journey. It was yeah. Was was it was it um yeah? Was that kind of an <clears throat> into comedy like yeah. watching those shows and that shared experience? Yeah. I guess, was in in, in short, I modelled. I, I really uh, inspired to be part of what I was seeing on screen, and that also included the Python reruns. When I when I watched that, yeah, and I became totally obsessed. I, I just wanted to be in a sketch troupe doing comedy acting not stand up i mean i didn't we didn't i didn't watch any stand up really it was all it was all british comedy acting yeah and i just wanted to be part of that gang i wanted to be part of that family and and that that has driven me from that moment of being i guess about uh from 10 years old through to to going as far as i've gone with it and i've still had that in the back of my mind the whole time so yeah, stand up became uh, an option, uh, a means to actually start doing stuff on my own, you know. But I did mm. start in a comedy duo, so I, um, so I already got to luckily find find someone like minded that was able to do sketch stuff with me and songs. So I already had a sort of started off with a partner, which was great. And then when I went solo, I just took my I took that sketch base and threw it into my own uh individual work so i was doing characters against each other on stage mm. doing doing voices and and for some weird reason movement as well uh and sound effects <laughs> i just created this whole thing in my head and decided to try and pull it all off um and on occasion i guess did <laughs> what what do you do, what do you prefer do you prefer working collaborating working with people or do you prefer sort of doing your own thing yeah absolutely i do and i did do years of of on my own doing you know this this reese darby style stand-up because um after the flight of the concords and i got a a a name for myself you know i could tour on my own and i had the gear i had uh an hour's worth of um new material every two years uh not every year but every every two years um but i would um so there I was, and I and I had you know big audiences here in New Zealand. I would tour Australia and 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 the UK as well in those early days, uh, simply because I I could sell tickets. But I much prefer working with other people because um, I just love the acting side of comedy, where you can have the uh, 
you can improvise and you've got those uh, long, arduous, uh, awkward pauses. And <laughs> and I love making uh, people corpse. Uh, so yeah, Jermaine, Jermaine Clement is one of the best corpses in the world. And, and he would, I would make him laugh all the time on the Concords and he'd just crack up and would have to start again. <laughs> And and some people might say, oh, that's you know, corpsing, that must be really annoying when you're trying to get some good scenes done. And I said, well, I much prefer it because if we're laughing at each other, we know it's funny and we're having fun. Yeah. And if, if all three of us were, uh, including Brett in this as well, and he does laugh, but not as much as Jermaine. He'll he'll laugh <laughs> as soon as he sees me turn up sometimes, with uh, whatever I've got. Look, I've got a look on my face or whatever, and. Uh, if all three of us were great at holding it together, we'd go through the whole day and, and at the end of it go, I wonder if that was any good. You know? So I think it's really important. And I, and I think that's a, uh, when, when people are putting together comedy shows and when people are, um, whether it's yeah, sitcom or, or sketch, if they're, if they're laughing away while they're doing it um, and trying, trying to hold it together, then they know, and we're the guys, you know, we're, the people who are doing it, no, have have the sense of humor if we're cracking each other up it's got to be good yeah. you know and so and so i quite i quite like that if there was a moment where we did a scene and none of us you know sniggered or or anything like that would go no i'm not sure if that if that worked out yeah. uh so <laughs> and so on your own of course you don't have that you you don't have anyone there apart from your your audience if you're performing live um and in the early days you really you you're using your own kind of um, brain to to trust yourself that this is funny. And in the early days, that is difficult. As you get older, the more and more stuff that you've done, you know, you know, we know that, oh, this is, this is going to be a blinder. I don't even need to do an open mic on this. I'm just going to go and do a massive televised gala in front of 3,000 people. <laughs> but I only, only rehearsed it in the bathroom on the way up. It's going to be amazing. Get out there. Sort of goes averagely. You went, ah. Oh, Maybe I'm losing it a bit. <laughs> should, have done, should have done one open mic. Should have done, should have done one open Just mic on that done. one. Yeah. <laughs> I think there is. I think there is something about about getting older, though. I think I think you do know yourself a bit more, don't you? I think whatever yeah. you do creatively, and I think that does bring with it a little bit of self-confidence. I think when it comes to your material, and that's just you can't really kind of substitute that. That just happens with time, I guess. Yeah, and 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 repetition, and doing this uh, the same kind of stuff, and you know what works. And it's I guess it's like music in a way. You know, you put out that first amazing album, then the second one is you know almost a copy of it, or uh, it's that awkward second album, and and then people go, ah, this is not as good as that. And then the third one, you go in another direction. And then mm. the fourth one, you go. Oh, I think it's, I think we'll probably get away with bringing it back to what we did in the first <laughs> exactly, one. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and I think that that could be the similar to 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 comedy as well. Um, and I've I've my I stuck to a basic strategy where I would have this um, uh, narrative through my show about uh, base a, a whole bunch of stories that have happened to me in real life. Throw in um, some one-liners and some actual joke jokes in there, um, but rely heavily on um on the situation i'm i'm creating and how weird and awkward it is for me to be in this uh situation and and the audience are laughing at me because i'm uh, uh really screwing things up screwing life up going back to frank spencer again there he is 
And yeah, and so they laugh. And how is he going to get out of this situation? You know, is he going to do his own stunts here? Yes, he is. He's... <laughs> I'll never forget that that one episode when he's he's I think he's um doing the driving lesson, and uh, oh yeah, remember that one? And he's got those driving gloves yeah, yeah, on. Man. Yeah. And I thought, why would you yeah. come to a driving <laughs> lesson with the driving gloves? And then minutes later, he's hanging off the bloody thing on the edge of a cliff <laughs> with his gloves. Yeah. Um, and I thought, that's no, why he's got the gloves on. Yeah, uh, but. Yeah, so I tell you, just stop you. Sorry, Reese, to stop you. My favorite episode of Some Mothers Do Have Them is when he goes on a second honeymoon with his wife, right? And uh, he wrecks the basically, he, there's a rip in the lino oh, that he's caused because right. they've they've the, the two beds they've they've got a double room and he asked for a double bed, but they've got like a double room, so it's two separate singles. And he he tries to put them together and rips the lino. And there's a great bit where he says, Did you pat my lino knife? <laughs> And she says, and she says, I'm so sorry, I forgot to pack one. <laughs> that is amazing. Because he knows he's going to screw up. He's, exactly. When yeah. you go, yeah, I've got to pack my lino knife. <laughs> I've got to, what else do I need? We're going away. I've got to have my driving gloves, obviously. I need my carabiner, yeah. you know, masking yeah, tape. Sorry, it's just popped into my head that that's just a brilliant brilliant, brilliant. i was thinking that because he he um we could talk for hours about that show but he yeah. i think is that the one where he does he fall through the ceiling or that might be yes, another one exactly that falls through the yeah no it's the same you know, one yeah yeah basically dead. the whole room the whole the whole hotel should be condemned there's like rotten floorboards and he, and everything he messes up he throws it in the corner i'll take that right. in the morning <laughs> that's right he, yeah he tries to cover everything up yeah, yeah exactly yeah and yeah, you it's know, a wonderful episode. Uh, uh, my my kids my 15 year old he still hasn't seen these things you know he's we've, oh, we've man, gone yeah. through blackadder that was easy we started with blackadder goes yeah. forth because um I didn't want to go right back to very oldie worldy costumes. I was worried the kids would go, oh, I'm not yeah. looking at that. So we did the army one and yeah. they absolutely loved yeah. it. And uh, so, yeah, it's a way of, but you've got to teach these and show these younger generations, you know, the genius that we grew up watching and, and the, how high the bar was for us to go okay yeah. we've got to be this funny of the writing has to be this good <laughs> and 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 you know it's a great bar because i'm looking at people like ron atkinson and we don't realize when we're 10 that you know th these are the greatest comedy performers on the planet you're not gonna you don't mm. don't expect to be as good as them <laughs> but it's <laughs> yeah. great to think that you could try and be that good and i think mm. that that was something that i had inside me the whole time is that um I imagined in, in my distant future that I'd be on a show with with these guys, or I'd be able to fit in mm. and, and sort of be as funny. And uh, so, yeah, I think that's that's the thing is that um, yeah, you, you you've got to have inspiration, and hopefully, mm. I'm I might be that for some of the from younger kids here in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How does that make how does that make you feel to be? to be an inspiration for younger people, having been that younger person at one point before? Really good. It means that I'm on the right path and that I'm inspiring others to take the right path as well. And I've had a few people come up to me um, in this comedy festival that's currently on right here in New Zealand. Um, I, I, I believe probably the only comedy festival happening on the planet say, right now we're, we're very say, yeah. jealous that you guys are like doing normal <laughs> yeah. stuff. We can't even leave our house. I mean, it's, it's so far behind. 
Yeah, I'm very sorry. I feel bad mentioning it, um, all the laughs we're having. Uh, but there's some of these young comics here and they come up to me and they're really good. And I said, I really love your your set. You know, you're doing really well. Um, a lot of female comics, which is brilliant. Um, mm. And and they'll come up and, they, and one of them came up and showed a picture of her with me um, after I'd done one of my gigs about, I don't know, six or seven years ago. And she's looking way really young and uh, very different. And um, she said, yeah, I've come to all your shows and, uh, you know, you, you're an inspiration to me. And um, and now I'm doing it. And now she was in the gala. And I said, well, I hope you didn't rehearse. She said, oh, no. And I looked in the, on the bathroom on the way out. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Yeah. And she went on, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I should have done one mic. One open mic. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So from, like, in school days and stuff, were you you a bit of a, were you a class clown or or were you quite a shy kid? What what were you like as a... a, Yeah, both of those things. What was the small V's like? Okay. Yeah, introvert, extrovert. So very much shy, um, keep to myself. People probably thought I was weird. Uh, I wasn't really into sport, but I, oh, there was one year I, I, I put myself down for every, every sport and every extracurricular activity in the school. So I could, so I, I literally did everything and I didn't do it all very well, but I wanted to, um, I wanted to, I don't know, get a name for myself or, or yeah. <laughs> so, um, did it so, work? So I, yeah, well, I, yeah. Cause I, well, I ended up having to quit out a lot of them because they, a lot of the, uh, the timetables sort of um clashed but i was in the the school um cycling team the rowing team tennis um amateur dramatics uh i think the robot club i was going i was some of the times i'd have to turn up and go look i haven't actually got time i've got to go and do badminton but um just put the arm on the left hand side of the robot if you don't mind Reese out and I'll be gone <laughs> you know and then halfway through a badminton game I gotta go look I've, I've got I've got an oar in my hand look I've got to go rowing in a minute I, I would have won this match surely and off I'd go and then mum said look I think you're doing too much I said yeah but I want I want to prove I want to get popular um but yeah now at school I uh in class I I definitely would uh, have clown answers, and I'd so I'd be quite straight faced, and then I would just say something really random, and yeah, people would laugh at me, and that's where I I really first started getting laughed at was in the school classroom, and also uh, I would do um, art, so I would draw comics, and I would draw little cartoons for some of the other people in the class that come up to me they see me drawing and say oh can you do a cartoon for me so I'll be doing that instead of doing the actual classwork and uh yeah so I kind of um didn't excel very well in class but because of time had there I excelled in my own um artistic abilities I guess and yeah I enjoyed I enjoyed school because I knew I'd, I'd be getting a few laughs here and there <laughs> I, th- I think that happens a it's lot in training. school. It is. Well, I think school, school, the classroom is kind of, I think, where you do actually start to test out those bits of your identity and your personality. Yes, it is. It's developing your identity yeah, totally. at the early stage. And it might not be an educational thing, but I think in terms of being a performer maybe or being an academic or something, you do start to pick these little things out there and see what people respond with. I think it's, it starts really early. Yeah, I think I was defining who I was going to be. And you know, during geography or math, you know, I wasn't... 
I couldn't give a hoot about those things. So I'd be just doing pictures. And I mean, I took, I actually wanted to be, I still, you know, I was trying to figure out what, what I was going to do with my life. And back then I did want to be a, um, a jet fighter pilot. So, uh, you know, nice. <laughs> so I took, so I didn't realize, but I, I looked in the uh, Royal New Zealand Air Force, what, what you what qualifications you had to have. And one of them was physics, you know, and I didn't really know what that was. I thought it was more sort of being, being physical, you know, and so I took. <laughs> it should be. Yeah. It should be. I thought, I thought is, it, is it the art of being physical? And the guy said, no, it's, it's, it's a math mathematics based sort of situation with science i said well i like science because i'd got an a in my um science book for um how how well i'd put it together i'm very good at drawing and so i yeah i sort of i got a well i got a in presentation you know c for for understanding but um so i took maths i had to take maths but i took physics in in the sixth form which is my second to last or turns out actually probably my last my last year of school and at physics, I had absolutely no idea what was going on. Mm. So I just went back to doing my drawings. And, um, and I think even at that point, I was, I, I was doing puppetry in class. I was making these things and doing funny puppet shows for people. And I remember the physics teacher going, what, what's happening back there? <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm just doing a little show. I said, what? Why? What are you? It's physics. <laughs> it's physics, isn't it? Yeah. So physi yeah. physical movement with the hands. And anyway, long story short, I got an F for physics, which was <laughs> oh, really bad. And I said, well, that's my Air Force dream's gone. You know, and yeah. I said, well, I just wasted two years of my life doing the Air Training Corps. Uh, luckily, I transferred over to the Army cadets as uh, soon as I realized I was going to fail physics and I wasn't going to be able to fly fighter jets. So I thought, well, it was the Army for me. And so that was, that was my kind of, it's weird. And this is, and it's because of Dad's Army that I thought, right, I've got to be, I've got to be one of those old boys in the, in the, in the costume, um, you know, slightly out of step. That'll be me. And by the time I get in there, I'll probably be about 70. So I'll be brilliant. Uh, was there a particular character you were modelling yourself on? Was it, um, you know, was it Captain Maring or, or were you? It's got to be Jones. Yeah. You know? Don't panic. Of course. Yeah, don't panic. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, but I do. I love them all. I love Mannering and um, the the sergeant. Uh, what was his name? Um, the one who was very softly spoken and he was Pike's real dad. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. But, that actor it's come Joe I would terrible if like yeah. totally forgotten who his name is it's John Lemessier yes John Lemessier uh, that's right yeah um because he was he was uh he was we'll have to cut all this <laughs> yeah never mind anyway um yeah no I think I think Jones because he had the energy you know stick it up him yeah and and he had the he had the van didn't he which he got refit with the with the rifle holes <laughs> and uh and he'd already fought he'd fought before hadn't he because he was in the yes he, he was in world war one he was and yeah. so he'd had the experience he was raring to go uh he was just yeah. slightly out of time and out of touch um <laughs> yeah. but yeah i uh yeah so i got so isn't it weird though that i even in my so i'm like 16 now um and i'm thinking and i'm looking forward to this military career even though I'm a class clown and I'm drawing pictures mm -hmm. and no one really came up and said, looking at what you're sort of into and what you're capable of, you know, what about the arts, you know? And I was getting 
the only subject I was getting A's in was art, uh, art, mm. um, so and science because of my my book, and <laughs> and so, but yeah, I just because I was, I, I guess for me, I, whatever my obsession was at the time was what I was sort of driving towards, and I and I, I probably never felt too far or thought too far in the future mm. um, as to. You know, because I, I never saw myself even getting much older. I just was like, I'm always very much living in the now. And I think that's, it can be quite a healthy thing to be in because if you project forward, oh, where am I going to be? How am I going to afford a house? Where are we going to do this? You know, you, you can actually get yourself down. But if you concentrate on the day, what we're doing today, how am I going to people, how am I going to make people laugh today? Um, then I think, and, and, and that's also includes like forgetting yesterday, like, which, which, which can be healthy as well if you can. A lot of people probably can't do that, and they'll they'll keep thinking about how they screwed that up, or you know where did that lead mm. me in the wrong way. But if you really concentrate on the present, you can you can be in a kind of a healthy mind state. And so um, for me, it was like right, I'm I'm a I'm a cadet. Uh, I actually won top cadet, so I was very good at marching and very good at sort of obeying orders and uh, tying knots. It's physics, isn't it? And yeah, it was down to my physics, <laughs> uh, physical <laughs> physical ability. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, and so for me, and, and also my, my influence of my mum, she said, oh, you, you know, you won top cadet, you should probably go into the New Zealand Army now. And I went, all right. And so I ended up going into the regular force cadet school, which was the elite mm. training school, which uh, subsequently closed down the year I did it. It was I was the final class. Oh wow! Back to Frank Spencer uh, because yeah, well, something went wrong and they, they ran out of money because I shot off too many bloody rockets. <laughs> and, and then and, yeah, they I I graduated and I got through my red beret in the air and then they said right the cl- the school's closing down <laughs> and I, I I honestly did think oh shit it's me what have I done I've done something yeah, yeah. You know? it was all those puppet um, shows way too many puppet shows. <laughs> inappropriate yeah. <laughs> yeah and so then but even in the even in even in those times and i was like 17 in that cadet school mm. uh i used my sense of humor to really um get popular again and have have make friends yeah. and to make fun of the of the uh the whole um establishment of the of the military which you know and so even when I'm in there, I'm not taking it seriously. And I'm, and you know, I I did, I did another three years after that as an actual signaler, you know, and learning Morse code, putting up antennas, driving Land Rovers. And I remember the, my commanding officer three years in, who was a really great guy. Um, his name was, uh, Riley, uh, second Lieutenant Riley. And, uh, he said to me, um, you know, you, you could, you, probably could do something else you don't you you shouldn't do this for the rest of your days i think you've got a lot going on inside your head and you've got a lot of a lot of uh entertainment abilities and um without his sort of guidance i probably would have stayed in longer but he i don't know whether someone had a word to him from even higher up the uh, up the rankings um, but he handed me a pamphlet for Canterbury University, and he says, um, oh. you, sh- "You should go to university and do this." Um, and I looked at the pamphlet and I said, "Well, will I get time off for that, sir?" And he says, "Yeah, we'll give you a lot of time off for that." Yeah. We'll... <laughs> and I think they were slowly trying to edge me out. Yeah. <laughs> Infinite. So time I handed off. everything in. Yeah, and I and I exactly. So I was, I, I left at that point, yeah. and I never never turned back. But I never. 
um, regretted my military time. It was great. Mm-hmm. It was it sort of it, it was one of those packages that added to building up who I am today. Mm-hmm. The use of self discipline, getting places on time, um, looking after yourself. Uh, you know, setting setting goals, completing tasks, missions, if you were will, uh, and yeah, so that that's great. I think. It's amazing how often on this podcast, when people talk about their past, that one one person might come up, a teacher or a mentor of some sort, or one mentor yeah, of some, some sort of yeah. person comes up that pushes you in a certain direction, and you're talking about Riley there. It's amazing how often there is sometimes it takes one little person to sort of point you in yeah. a direction, and then sort of a whole new world can sort of open up, and you're sort of more towards where you're supposed to be. But we need these mentors sometimes, don't we, just to sort of help us along our way. Yeah, and I think these people, these markers, if you will, are, yeah. are people that even even if they only flash one one time in in your life, and then they they guide you, they're these guys, and they send you off in that. Okay, you're doing really well there, but um, just slightly gently push you off in that direction. Um, oh, okay, oh, yeah. and then yeah, and then you, and that's where you're supposed to be. Um, it is it is bizarre, but I think that there's a type of person out there. And I might include myself in that if I spend enough time with with people that you can you can see what it is about them and you can imagine what they should be doing or where they should be going. And yeah, you can you can sort of guide them, especially especially when you're young. It doesn't work so much probably when when we're over 30, because we kind of we're, we're sort of in our ways and we're like, don't, don't you tell me. What I should or shouldn't How be doing, you. you know. I've, I've been on this planet for over thirty years, yeah. which, in the grand scheme of things, is literally a birth. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah, so true, so true. So, from from going to um, university, what did you study there? Uh, so, so I did uh, English, um, which uh, would, would turn out to be very difficult, and I think it. it at high school, I was, I was, that was the other subject. Sorry, I was getting A's in. It wasn't science. It was English and art. Uh, and so, but English at university, very different to English at high school. Uh, it's, you know, the, the, the novels are a lot more intense uh, that you're reading. And then the, and the, uh, the essays uh, are something that you, you certainly didn't do at high school. So it was, for me, it was uh, quite a struggle and I've never been a great reader. I think my, my English, the reason I did well at English at, at high school was um, the creative side of it, the poetry and, and yeah. understanding uh, what an author is trying to say. Um, one artist, I guess, understanding another one. But um, mm. so I did a Bachelor of Arts degree, but it really was sociology, which I really enjoyed, and uh, yeah. philosophy, I, I also really enjoyed. Um, and then I did art theory, which is what I got my degree in was yeah was basically which i have kind of used a bit which is um what what is art what what makes art uh, what makes craft mm. different to art and when do the two meet and so i yeah i got quite interested in, in rambling on in these essays about the art world and uh so yeah uh, four years worth of university to chat about that i also did subjects that didn't work out like um antarctic studies that one, uh, that one had a, a quite a, a rough start of six a.m. lecture. Ooh. So I think I made wow, one of yes. those, Ooh, and then uh, dropped. <laughs> yeah, six a. Who's that's getting up happening. at five? 
to, exactly. I think they wanted to sort of like, oh, it's cold. It's like you're in the Antarctic, isn't it? Let's, you know, it's 6 a.m. Everyone just keep, create the conditions. Yeah, create the conditions. Keep your jackets on. Now, oh, is that a penguin we can hear? <laughs> you know, so, so I dropped that one. As a, I thought it'd be easy, but it was a too early start. Um, and then really, but really did enjoy, yeah, art theory. Uh, and sociology, but really in that time, and it, this kind of happened straight away, I found my people, which I didn't really find in, in the army. There was, a, I had a couple of mates in the army that were like-minded and, and like to have a good laugh. But once I hit university, it was the clubs and societies day and the comedy club just was right there. Um, and Guy Roberts, who was the president of the comedy club at that time, sitting behind the desk, he saw me walking uh, through the atrium. It must have been the way I was walking. And he's just yelled out, hey, over here, this is the club for you. <laughs> it was that, 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 that famous physical physical movement again. It was, just, it was, it was one of my, one yeah, of my walks, yeah. you know. Yeah. I, had my, I had my driving gloves on. It's <laughs> 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 the guy for us. Yeah, this, is the, this, guy, this guy's got to be... So he signed me up, and as soon as I saw Comedy Club, mm. of course it was a match made in heaven because I'd been doing comedy since since you know I was a kid, mm. Uh, mm. just to disrupt class and disrupt life, and and now I've signed up to, and he says you know we're gonna we meet once a week, uh, we uh, at someone's house we we write sketches and then you know we put on this capping review show, um, and so we the whole year we build up to to having this one hour or two hour show. Um, and then, and I and he said, there's parties. And I went, oh, and of course I've never really been to parties. I said, oh, there'd be a party. Uh, I'd drunken heavily in the army and I'd been forced to drink alcohol and then, um, but but not not in a fun way. <laughs> yeah, that was serious. So it was all, it was all on. That's amazing. Just speak, speaking of art, you brought up art there. I, I can't believe mm. we haven't, just mentioned and it doesn't this doesn't really work for uh audio broadcasting but the painting behind you i can't take oh, my yeah. eyes off it it's uh look at that wow it's wow it's intense i guess is the word i would use to describe that it's yeah uh, so there's the bowling ball just knocking over uh crosses yeah that are burning it's, i think oh something's on could, fire you could it does look like fire as well doesn't it yeah it's um, I don't know how it's how you want to interpret it, but I think it's it's a little menacing to me. And this this is of course <laughs> yeah, I can say <laughs> I, I I think it's quite it's intense. intense. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you think it into it to military times, if you like, oh yeah, all those soldiers that have died, you think you've died? Well, here's the bowling ball. You're gonna bloody die again. <laughs> <laughs> knock knock knock. What the fuck? You know how, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. You're dying twice, you bitches. You. Served your country, now you can knock over again. You know, this one, I think of you. So I, I don't know. And set it on fire too, will you, Rich? Fuck it. Yeah, onto it, mate. Add fire. Fuck it, why not? Add fire, smoke it up. <laughs> Fuck these guys. Maybe they maybe they didn't didn't follow orders. Yeah. yeah. That's what uh, happens. They could be true. Let's make sure we do a painting of that. Those guys, those traitors that went behind enemy lines and then ended up bloody joining them and yeah. then gave all away our, our secrets. When they die, let's bloody show, put a painting up. We'll about show that. them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The last great night we had was at that bowling night. Remember, we were at the bloody 10 pin 
and we came up with the plan of how to invade the guys and they traitors, and they. So that's what I've, that's what I've put together. And you send, send, send that to each of their families. Signed. Yeah. I mean, in reality, it probably means something completely oh, yeah. different. It's probably, but it's it's art is how you. I, I'm going to take that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that was better. I think. Yeah, I like and that's that. from a guy who has an art theory degree. Okay, yeah. so <laughs> it can't be wrong. Exactly. It can't. It literally can't be wrong. No. Yeah. <laughs> so the performing, you do, you started doing that quite a lot at, at Union. You, like you said, you kind of you found your people, you found your tribe, which you know is I know it's kind of a thing we say these days but it is it's an important moment in our lives when we start to meet people that we actually yeah are like-minded with you know because you start to express yourself more and then you know obviously the performing came out more and so did you start doing gigs yeah well once once we'd started writing sketch uh, and all of a sudden you know and i by the way i wasn't great at it like my sketch stuff that i wrote was um you know the the other people in the group thought that's that's too weird and my stuff was always a bit but i think it's because i had seen so much and i was obsessed with so much comedy that i didn't want to mm. repeat anything and we used to have yeah. a thing in the club as i'm sure it was the with comedy clubs all around the world when you when you're writing and still to this day i'm sure even must be even harder now with even more successful sketch comedy shows on television all over the world but harking mm. back to the classics where you'd write a sketch or something you'd be working on some sort of idea and people would just go been done yeah. and they would tell you the name you know tell you the show they tell you the episode of monty python where that was brought up because <laughs> yeah. uh, those yeah they pretty much touched on everything and so so that yeah. was difficult so i was always trying to do something slightly different um and for some and for people some people it was like uh you know it was it was too weird or whatever we wouldn't be able to pull that off and so um but then I met uh, another chap who I was, so I was working part-time as a student. I got a job at Excalibur's Theatre Restaurant, which was amazing because then I, I get to dress up uh, as a, I was a character waiter. So this was a restaurant that has wow. a show happening. So the people, and there was a theme oh, for man. every show. And uh, so I, I, the first themed show, uh, can't recall what it was, but I was, it was definitely um set in the in the middle ages and i was uh axel the wheelwright so i was i'd dress up in this in this weird garb and i'd basically come out to to the, the people who are enjoying the sitting at these tables enjoying this little stage show and i'd serve them soup and you know um and i had to put on a sort of a character <laughs> voice i'd come out hey here's your soup here's your soup and that kind of thing and so i was having a bit of a laugh with that and then i met this guy who was out the back making the soup and because i'd go out the back and i'd go i'd still be playing the character hey where's the soup really <laughs> method yeah where's your soup? and he's like you're backstage now you can just you don't, you don't need to do no where's the soup and i was i wanted to sort of like i want to go up the rankings never break character <laughs> never break i was uh, hoping the boss would see me go oh, that guy's good he's even behind even backstage get him he's still stage. doing it <laughs> i was i wanted to get myself onto the stage you know and, and literally that was never going to happen i thought because i'm thinking of the military ranking system you yeah. do well you yeah. go up the ranks you know so <laughs> but the chef the chef guys 
one of the chefs says, um, no, you don't need to do that. And I said, are you sure? I'm going to shoot. And he goes, no, look, mate, honestly, let's have a, let's have a drink after the show tonight. And I'll tell you how it goes down here, you know, with the, cause he'd been working there for a couple of years. And I, so I met him after the show and we, we hung around. We had a few drinks, and he's. And turns he said, out he's oh, the I'll funny. get the next one. I'll get the next one. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, honestly, seriously, please stop doing that. Yeah, no. And then he started to worry that shit. Maybe this is actually my voice. Maybe <laughs> I've actually, have I actually got a, an issue? No. And uh, so I, I broke, I broke character at the end of the night. Once, once the, once the credits started rolling up on the stage show, which was something that was very innovative. Um, and. Uh, he turns out he was the funny guy. So his name was Grant. And he was, he said to me, look, mate, I'm actually the funny guy around here. Um, and so there was this, and I said, oh, okay, well, I've just, I've only just started today. And he goes, well, you know, let's, let's have a few drinks and, and uh, let's see who's the funniest. And so we started, we, we got on really well and we just started outdoing each other with, uh, with, with funny situations and, and being silly. And, um, yeah, we were like we were there for a good couple of hours on the first it was probably the probably the second week to be fair that I was there when I ended up doing this. Wouldn't have been like the very first night, but um we got on like a house on fire and then he he says, Look, honestly, I've got a bass guitar. Do you want to get together and we should maybe do something? And I said, I'd love to, because I, I I really wanna I'm in I'm in this new comedy club at the university. And uh, and he goes, Oh, hey. I said, Yeah, so I'm really working it. You know, I'm starting to <laughs> I'm starting to get into comedy uh, professionally, you know, as opposed to just mucking around and getting told off, uh, getting kicked out of armies. Um, so so yeah, we 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 started a duo and we called it Reese recently granted uh because his his name oh, no. <laughs> so there was this we, when we came up with that name we thought oh this is destiny you know yeah. i mean it's smashed it so yeah and so we did our first gigs at the excalibur's theater restaurant after hours so him and i would come out and we'd introduce ourselves to the rest of the staff you know there's probably about five people who was like one guy cleaning up you know and we'd, have, we'd plug his bass guitar in because he had a little amp and we just we just did a couple of songs um and it sort of went from there and then we ended up doing sketches we we got together every week and uh yeah would write and and then we started performing in other places outside of our work we went down to some pubs and just said hey can we we've got a bit of an act can we and there was really literally nothing happening this was in Christchurch um mm -hmm. you know can we put our act on at your bar for we don't want any money and they you know just give us a couple of free beers and uh, and we did that and you know it went okay but then when a comedy club actually opened up it was called the green room which was a performance cafe and sort of like a had a beatnik um, artist vibe and poetry nights that kind of thing they put an ad in the newspaper advertising for entertainers and uh so we we auditioned for them and we by that point we'd been going for like six months we had three songs we had like four really weird sketches, um, including one which was um, the things Marcel Marceau doesn't want you to see, which was like really erotic mime, <laughs> the stuff he does back home. Um, <laughs> Excellent. And uh, it was, and so we, we got the job. We got, a, we got a gig at this new green room cafe. And then also by that point, the, the folks at the comedy club at the university, they they had heard about it and a couple of those guys were trying out stand up 
for, for this green room. Mm. And then uh, six months further from that, we'd actually created a comedy collective called Four Fingers Missing. Uh, and it was mainly comics from university, um, Grant and I, and then there was another comedy duo, uh, the Roberts Brothers, who was, which was Guy Roberts, the president of the comedy club and his brother. And unlike Grant and I, they were, were actually talented. They could sing and play instruments. You know, Grant could only do like two chords on the bass, but we were, but we, <laughs> and so, yeah. So then this comedy scene was created in Christchurch. Uh, and that, so that was on the South Island. And at the same time, um, an actual a bigger comedy scene was happening in Auckland and there was a, a comedy club opened up there. And so cop, it was really sort of a burgeoning scene in New Zealand. Mm. And this would have been, I guess, yeah, 1990, 1995, 96. Wow. Oh, sorry. No, even further, actually it would have been 90, yeah, 97. Cause yeah, 90, well, 96 is when I started with Grant. And so, and then we got, we got a TV show in New Zealand called pulp comedy, which sort of, I think that might've come about around about 90, 98 and um and then they started having giving comics a little spot on on a tv show so it was we really were there at the start of it all kind of mm. coming together um so there really wasn't much so, much before that then no not no no other than what those people i was mentioning earlier the uh, mcfarlane mm. gadsby the top twins yeah, yeah. um you know billy t james and you know most of them and, and they and those people didn't really do stand-up so they would they were sort of mm. doing their own kind of character pieces um they were kind of new zealand comic icon characters that were would be doing mm. bits and pieces um the top twins were very musical and they they had a, a sketch show um but yeah there was no stand-up it was it was wow. so we were very late very late at the game um I thought it was interesting because now, cut forward to now, we've got quite a scene here. We still only have the one comedy club, but we <laughs> have. Uh, really? It's very busy. Wow. It's very well. The only one full time club, yeah. but there are many pubs and bars that are that are doing gigs. So there's there's most of most of it's happening in Auckland, but there are there is a, a small scene in uh, Wellington and maybe a an inkling in Christchurch <laughs> right now. Of course, we all know Christchurch has gone through a lot of you know, tragic stuff over the last few years of rebuilding and, yeah. and things like that. Yeah. So, but yeah, um, there are, there are certainly a lot of comics, but the problem now is, you know, there's been a bit of laziness on them not going overseas. So back in my day, we all, you know, as soon as we got the opportunity to hit the UK, we, we went and, you know, I, I treaded the boards over there for about eight years doing all the jongas clubs, working my way up to headliner, doing Edinburgh eight times, you know, and, and that that's the sort of stuff that you need to do to, you need mm. to be performing in front of really strong audiences that aren't gonna um, let you get away with anything that's a bit shit, <laughs> you know, and, and that's the UK. Yeah. And so you've <laughs> got to be good. It's that bar again. You've got to be as good as, as, the, as, the, as the top comics of the day. And if you're, if you're not, then stay there and stick it out and get as good as them. Mm. Uh, and and so, but but because now, because we didn't have a scene in New Zealand, it, we, people who were really wanted to make it were were forced to go and do that. And it's the same with Australia. Mm. And then they they head over your way. Um, and now, of course, with the world being in the state it's in, that's not that's not happening. Mm. But mm. so, are New, are New Zealand audiences different? Then are they sort of kinder or, or they're different? more laid back? 
they are um they're not they don't they won't heckle really really no and oh, they won't they obviously don't drink as heavily but they we, we do have a drinking <laughs> culture here but if you remember back in the day with those jonglers clubs and yeah. things like that um the glees you know all of those ones i mean yeah. people are out in their droves um the place is packed there's a pumping energy but there's also um a lot of a lot of drunk people um who who if you as long as you do well and you're uh funny you know they're gonna mm. absolutely love it but if if you come out and within 30 seconds you've forgotten something or you're a bit uh there's a lack of confidence they're gonna you know, they're gonna let you know you know um and yeah here i think we're a little bit more stoic you know you've got your cross arm kind of thing and and uh. there's that kind of we've got better over the years but there's still that kind of feel of oh, this guy's not gonna be any good he's, he's a local <laughs> guy you know <laughs> God, I miss. I wish I was watching the rugby tonight. I suppose I'll sit here and put up with this, oh, you know. Um, and but it has got better. And and I say the 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 younger generations here um, are there's some really really funny people, and and there's a lot more uh, women coming through, and and the, the respect for for them and for comedy in general uh, is tenfold to what it was ten years ago. Uh, 15 years ago when when it was it was it was a hard business to be in to be a female and you know and, and as it is all over the world but um so that's really good there's a lot of positive uh, aspects to uh, modern comedy and modern comedy audiences but um yeah i still think but and the flip side of that of course is if you can make new zealanders unfold their arms and actually make a noise then you're going to do pretty well you know, right yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. In, in the uk and also america america is the easiest because they are literally they'll they'll start hooting and hollowing when they when you come out you know and as soon as your accent's different <laughs> yeah. to theirs they'll be like wow this guy's amazing <laughs> where's that voice from um but are if, you from england yeah exactly exactly yeah yeah Jim, it's us again, and uh, we've got some big news. We have indeed. Uh, Giles, I can't believe I'm saying this. We've written a book, a book about blank moments based on this very podcast. Yeah, we've been recording this podcast for a while now, and as we've been doing, we've realised that everyone has these difficult blank moments. All our wonderful guests that we have on the podcast and our listeners get in touch with us all the time tell us about their own situations, their own experiences of blank moments. And sometimes that can be from a personal life, from their career, the relationships they're in, or maybe it's a public situation. Yeah, I mean, it really, it's one of those terms that can be applied to anything. Social anxiety, imposter syndrome, just sort of generally being off form, having an identity crisis. I mean, it's all part of the human condition. And yet we all get thrown off from time to time and sort of made to feel a bit helpless yeah so the book is made up of all these different chapters that sort of concentrate on these various themes that come up in the pod so whether it's uh, public failure social anxiety fear mental health grief all the things that our amazing guests have talked about on the podcast yeah i mean and those guests include louis theroux david harbour reggie D. hunter dawn french rachel paris amanda abington john ronson rufus sewell gary lineker all these people that really opened up to us about these difficult moments and what we've done is we've dived into them um explained how 
we relate to them, talked a little bit about our own experiences and almost gone on a journey of this discovering blank moments and how they've helped us. And we hopefully we take the reader on a journey with us. Yeah, there's loads of stuff in there for everybody, I think. It's a bit memoir, it's a bit self-help, and there's lots of interactive bits in there as well, so you can do your own gratitude list, and there's tips on uh, if you're having sleeping problems. So all different things that you can take out of the book. And where can people get hold of this book, Jim? Well, so it comes out in March in 2021, but it's available to pre-order right now from Amazon, waterstones.com, and hive.co.uk. Yeah, it's, I'm really looking forward to everyone getting their hands on it. And uh, hopefully lots of people will be able to identify their own blank moments. And you never know what you might find out. It's funny because we had a um, comedian called Alex Lowe on a couple of weeks ago. And he was saying about jonglers in particular where he he, he had a char- he did character act. Uh, and it was an old man that he did, wasn't mm. it? Um, Jim, if you remember, and um, he just said he just got eaten alive in those places because, like hen nights and stag nights, oh, yeah. and just ah, messy. Just, they were just yeah, yeah, very messy. Did you did you have any particularly um, bad nights that you can remember that sort of still haunt you or anything like that? Um, there, well, of course there would have been a few, but see, I had to um, because it was my entire life. I'm my my entire. If you've got a gig that night, you just the the eight hours leading up to it is like right i'm focusing on and i know what they're going to be like they're going to be rowdy what am i doing it's a it's a friday night uh at um you know whatever jonglers bristol uh it doesn't really matter some of them some of some of them were worse than the others but um i you know you sort of build up to it and also i'd be doing it to the point where i knew i had a you know a 20 minute killer set and you just you just keep keep doing it and that's how you become a really, really strong um, comic. But I also, I was lucky enough to have a few things in my back pocket, which were um, my ability to do really interesting and bizarre sound effects. And so if there's any chatting or drunk people talking away, or you know, if the attention isn't quite there, I'll just throw in a really loud helicopter. And all of a sudden people are like, what the hell is this guy doing? You know. And then I'll do form some weird shapes and do a do a do a do a piece that certainly makes them think. Oh, hang on, this this is unusual because yeah. w- when they start to chat and stuff, it's because there's someone up on stage who's just sort of starting to ramble on. And uh, of course, now the thing with the issues with the uh, politics <laughs> these days, and of course, you know when they come around, to, and then people start to switch off. So. Yeah. Um, so I I was I was well aware of that. And so you know some comics who are you know, very good writers. They'll get up there and they'll have this amazingly crafted joke. But if they're not performing it well enough, you know, people will, after a few beers, will just sort of start to switch off. So I had the, so really for me, it was, it was definitely 80% performance. So you'd get up there and, um, and you've got to let them know that, and, you know, and, and, and 70% of that 80% is confidence uh, and, and just let them know that, you know, you're the shit. And then the other ten percent is, and here is the shit. Yeah, um. <laughs> right because you can't. There's no point before they realise it's shit, and, yeah, then, and, then, get and then get off. There's no point because um, there's no point having a brilliantly crafted set if they're not concentrating. So you're gonna you exactly. have to get them to concentrate anywhere. That is half the gig because otherwise there's no point. You're, you're beautiful prose or whatever. They're not. Yeah, and the the detriment for I mean I've seen some of these comics today who who are quite happy to bomb. 
Now I was never happy to do that. I was, and I've always been a perfectionist. And I think that's harking back to my army days of, of getting everything right and getting on, you know, having it done perfectly, being able to disassemble uh, a rifle in 30 seconds blindfolded. Otherwise the sergeant's going to yell at you. So for me, uh, I was, I was like, I've got to get it right. And if I don't, you know, I've, I've, I've stuffed up, but, and so I always had that mantra and that was, that wasn't a healthy one to have because when I did bomb, I would be, I just, I just feel like such a failure, but I've met a few comics uh, in recent times who, you know, will bomb two out of three of their, of their, of their gigs. And then the third one will be this mm. magical, absolute storming set. And they'll go, um, yeah, well, I rocked it tonight. You know, you should have seen me the other night. Absolute terrible. And that, that's, that's, I take my hat off to that because mm. that's a really good mental place to be in because uh the mental health of us comics as it is is detrimental and we we do ourselves no favors in our own heads uh and so to 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 have to know that early on would have been uh certainly more pleasurable to me because it enables you to take risks and if it and if it goes wrong um and i think that might also be uh might also pertain to being here in new zealand where there's there's less pressure on the gigs you're not at these mm. 300 people full drunken filled rooms that you might be in the, in the uk you've got they're more laid back and if you if it goes wrong it's there's barely any difference to it going right as far as the audience <laughs> <laughs> still felt i got two less claps yeah yeah still got the guy almost unfolded his arms but he didn't i thought oh, no, i've bombed tonight i nearly got him I'll get him next week. <laughs> <laughs> but Reese, what are you like in those moments? Like you're saying when, you know, obviously you're a perfectionist, but when things aren't going quite so well or, or, mm. or it hasn't, when something been hasn't quite landed as good a gig as you do. Yeah. Yeah. Do you beat yourself up about it? Or are you, are you hard? Well, on you've got to, you've got to, it comes with experience. You've got to then go shit, pull something out right now that you know mm. is going to get them go into something and i you know it's always had the robot as well so i do these robot impressions that were just they had there's no reasoning behind them that i would just suddenly become a robot and i would then explain to the audience why i'm a robot and how these movements are being uh put together and that a lot of the noise is coming from me and then, then it's being projected through speakers and so a lot of you are hearing this and it's just like break down this whole thing and so so which a lot of people will just laugh at but also it is very it's weird and so if you in my head if like if something doesn't go very well i'll go into some story with characters and things and people just didn't get it um i would i would automatically switch to either one one of these things that i know will get people laughing um or i would just resign in my head that i'm the weird guy you're not supposed to really laugh at me you're supposed to walk away going what was wrong with that guy and so <laughs> so yeah rather than that guy wasn't funny he's definitely funny but he's not funny ha ha he's <laughs> funny weird and that still ca- and that counts that still counts and that and that counts yes he actually needs help yes but we still <laughs> laughed about him later thinking god poor bugger um <laughs> <laughs> it pays to be weird it definitely pays yeah. to be weird so I always had the weird card up yeah. my sleeve um, yeah. and yeah it's uh, I've always done and I've done and I, I'm, I'm mainly silly you know and that's the that's the, the obsession with uh, Spike Milligan and the Pythons and so for me I, I've got to be having fun and I've got to I've got to find what I'm doing 
absurd mm-hmm. and very abstract and, and interesting because it's got to make me laugh because I'm, I've watched so many comedy that, um, yeah, I, I, I want to, I have to be into it. And, um, sometimes I'll break character or break what I'm doing and, and stand there and, and when they're laughing and have a good laugh as well and go, this is great, isn't it? <laughs> and, <laughs> and then they'll go, Oh, what's he doing here? You can't laugh at your own stuff. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's a funny one, isn't it? Because there's so many elements to comedy and some people, when you're actually st- like, if you're just doing regular stand up with, with jokes and things, you can't really laugh at that while you're doing it. Cause you can't laugh at your own. I mean, sometimes you can, you have a little, you can have a little chuckle to which, which with the audience quite enjoy that you're in, you're having mm. fun because, and, but then you've got other moments where you're so um, deadpan that it becomes funny because and that was that goes back to like all of the stuff John Cleese used to do, where uh, he is so deadpan, he's so serious that, but what he's doing is so outrageous that you just can't help but laugh because he should be laughing. He should be laughing at this. Why isn't he? How can he stand there and 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 act that way yeah. uh, without bloody rolling over? Um, so, yeah. I love I love the art of comedy because there's so many elements to it, and mm-hmm. and. and people like so many different styles and it's interesting to try and have more than one style uh, to try and just live and breathe uh, different facets of comedy and, and, and try and get away with it. I think, I think also the, I think the fact that we have the, the, the ability and the right to be silly. I think the fact that we can be silly yeah. whenever we want to be, it's beautiful. I think it's great. It's one of life's great things. You know, we have this, ability to be silly i think it's fantastic and i think we should all embrace it whenever we can to be honest yeah because we and that's what because it made me happy it makes me happy to think that we can Mm. we can just be silly it doesn't matter how old we are um you know they used to talk about spike milligan never lost his silliness right to the very end yeah you know he is who he is and he you know you you we get older life gets us down and um you know things happen but and my mother was good at this as well. She would always uh, still open my door and my bedroom door and and just do a silly face, and that was enough. You know, <laughs> it's like yeah. people adults forget to do that. We can pull silly faces. That's all you need, or a noise. Yeah. A noise is quite good. I walk past mm. my my son's bedroom door, and as I'm walking past, I'll just go, <laughs> you know, and and just like a, a very tight fart, and uh, and I'll just I won't I won't even stop. Or to look at him, I'll just do that noise, and then I'll hear from his bedroom. <laughs> you know, it's just little little moments of silliness, and we yeah. need to at least try and try and do five of those a day. I think that's good advice for everybody, even just either to yourself or when I'm walking along the street and I can see someone might be looking at me. You know, I'll I'll um, do a weird walk, or uh, I'll do a do a fake phone call, and I'll pull my phone up and I'll say you know, something like, uh, "What?" Yes, put me put me down as a definite. I'll buy the Testarossa, you know, um, and you know, just anything like that. And I think it's because that people might think, "Why have you done that ridiculous moment for someone who you don't even know?" And I said, "Well, they might have a smile." Yeah, exactly. They yeah. might say, to "Someone, I oh, I saw this weird guy trying to buy a Ferrari Testarossa on his phone." <laughs> <laughs> it might make that day. Was Reece Darby. Yeah. I think- <laughs> I think we start with having an episode. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be very weird in town. 
<laughs> you never know. You never. I was going to say though, but do you, do you, do you find? Are you? In all seriousness, do you find that you're getting stopped more? You're getting seen more because obviously you've, you know you've gone from obviously you're, you know you're very yeah. well known for your comedy, but now you're in all these big shows. You're in big Hollywood movies. You know, do you find how do you, have you coped with that? Well, you it's know? it's been do you enjoy that that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty pretty sort of stick to the family. I don't go out all that much, and if I do, I have the kids with me, and people don't tend to stop you so much in, in those instances. Mm-hmm. But people still do, still come up to you in New Zealand. You know. We, we don't have a tabloid uh, culture. We don't have a much of a celebrity wow. culture. So, um, oh, yeah, that was amazing. Oh, that, for that reason alone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you walk, you, a lot of people walking around with their arms folded, but um, <laughs> you've, I've actually got to go up to them. Hey, you remember me? I did a comedy. Do you want to have a, do you want to have a quick photo with me? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm the soup guy. Remember soup? Remember that guy? <laughs> You're the soup guy. The soup guy. It's me. So that soup was cold, by the way, and I'm not. <laughs> You'll never be up on that stage, mate. No, <laughs> not gonna happen. I don't care where you've been. Yeah, so New Zealand is is pretty it's pretty pretty breezy here in terms of the celebrity thing, and then in LA, of course, mm. when I live over there, uh, it, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of celebrities walking around, and no one cares, uh, and certainly no, I don't. I've always been in that kind of alternative comedy group as well so mm-hmm. even though i've done a lot of um uh, appearances on sitcoms and and have done uh, tv shows and stuff um it's it's always been they've always been sort of cult comedy ones or yeah so if you if you're into comedy you'll definitely know who i am but if, if you're not if you're just a mainstream groover uh you might look at me and go oh is that that guy from jumanji i don't know he's only in jumanji five minutes so um you know, so I'm still, I'm still, you know, that might all change because I've got a, a big show coming up that I'm looking forward to making the second half of this year with, with Taika. Uh, I saw that coming out. Yeah. yeah, that looks fantastic. So I'm excited about that. So that, and that's going to have a lot of uh, English actors in as well, um, which I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to making some new friends. Um, the best part about being in a TV show is that, uh, yeah, you're forced to, to have relationships and um, mm. have a laugh with with people who who are most likely like minded because we're on the same kind of thing, same shtick. So um, I look forward to that and maybe maybe projecting six months or when that show goes to where I might. Uh, but overall, it's it's been pretty good i've just i've just got a note here your internet connection is unstable uh, yeah i was gonna say you're yeah yeah, you, yeah. It's can a you hear me bit. yeah ju- yeah you've, you've come, come back, back. It's a bit dropped out there yeah i think you're back yeah. i think you're back <laughs> oh reese thank you so much it's been an absolute joy talking to you it has it's been such a treat to talk to you thanks i could talk to you for hours about british sitcoms and uh, it's it's sergeant wilson was the name there of the you go i can think of um so i'm glad i remembered that that's he was like he was like thing. a dad to me because i i didn't have um yeah. a dad growing up my, my dad was around but they were divorced and and you know i didn't spend much yeah. time with them and um so for me i was looking for father figures and mm. uh all the Pythons were my dad's, you know, Ronnie Barker from Open All Hours was yeah. my dad's. And then, you know, when I watched the two Ronnies, I was, oh, there's, I've got Ronnie Corbett, of course, he's my dad. And so, um, yeah, I just, I've just, I, I, these people resonated for me and, and made me laugh. And of course, my own dad actually did 
did have a great sense of humor. And uh, as I got older, because both my parents were funny, but I, I just mm. didn't spend enough time with dad. And, um, but when I, the times I did, this is, this is bonus, bonus material now, <laughs> just, just, this yeah. is for you, uh, is that, um, yeah, I forgot, I've missed my point now, but um, both, both my parents have passed, passed on now. And uh, I think that I had a, a few moments with dad um, in 2020, he, when he, he passed away, it wasn't from COVID, but it was, it was old age, but he, um, uh, yeah, we had some special moments there. And he, even on his, even on his deathbed, he did some s- silly moments with me. Oh, um, wow. And so, yeah, just some, some funny faces. And, uh, and I, I think it just goes to show that, like I said, that point earlier of don't ever forget to be silly, yeah. uh, no matter how bad things get, because uh, it's really, really important. I completely agree. Completely agree. Yeah. And what, and on that note, yeah. Ah! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the perfect ending. Destiny. <laughs> take a quick, take another screenshot, Jim. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> I mean that's the best ending to an episode we've ever had ever yes, yeah. oh awesome thank you so much thank you so much really enjoyed it thank really you pl- and, th- and a big thanks to Rosie as yeah, well yeah we really really, really appreciate it so yeah yeah, so uh, big okay, yeah I'll say that well. absolutely she's just in the other room yeah. so I'll go and give her a big hug from you guys oh please do, oh, yeah. Please do. Brilliant. Yeah. thank you so much yeah. Rhys thank you so much and, and, and also love your, your books as well the, the Buttons McGinty stuff's brilliant so um, oh awesome yeah. thank you yeah. yeah cool so and hopefully i'll get to the uk when all of this sort of uh is over yeah. um i'm predicting you know a couple of years <laughs> <laughs> well it'd be if you are let us know because it'd be nice to grab a cuppa or something oh yeah absolutely awesome top man thank you so much thanks Rhys. all right take care thanks guys right, buddy. thanks man bye yeah There you go. I mean, what more do you say about Reese Darby? I mean, it was, as we said at the top, everything we hoped for and more. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the funniest episodes we've done and just a wonderful, wonderful man. And I loved the sort of sentiment, I think, that sort of flowed throughout the whole episode was this idea of Mm. we have this right to be silly and being silly is never a bad thing. I love the bits about him walking past his kid's bedroom and making a fart noise or <laughs> if someone catches his eye walking down the street does a silly walk. I just think that's, it costs nothing, but actually I think it benefits everyone. So that was, I kind of thought that would be the takeaway from this episode, yeah. but it was really nice that it, it turned out that it was. Yeah. And also that when he said about being silly five times a day, you know, like, yeah, it's yeah. like, like you would eat your, your five a day <laughs> vegetables. You must get your five a day of happiness and silliness in. Yeah. And I like, I really love that. And I think that's something that we can all do. You know, there's that thing about, you know, if you smile, you can't be unhappy. I don't know if that is really does work, but I think, you know, there but why is, not try? Why, why not, not try? Exactly. Oh, and yeah, I think you're right. I think five, five, five a day silliness is, is going to keep you as healthy as actually it's not. That's not true. Do have your fruit and veg. <laughs> yeah. Honest, please, please do. Um, but being silly will help you mentally be as healthy. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I do. And, and it's funny, um, what Reese was saying about going past his kids' stores and making raspberry noises. I mean, I'm always doing stuff like that with my boys. Amazing. So much to their annoyance quite a lot of the time. I mean, But that's the point. Yeah, yeah I mean, when we walk, when I walk with Sonny to school, I'm always making up songs and singing songs to him. And, he, and he's got to the point where he's just saying, Dad, can you please, can you stop? Like, in it, like really, like seriously, can you please stop doing that? <laughs> <laughs> and then which only that, makes you do it more, which, oh, yeah, exactly exactly um the, most of the songs kind of revolve around toilets and poo this poo rhymes with so many different words so it's it's it, perfect it does you know? yeah it does it does i when maria's old enough to understand how embarrassing i am yeah uh, which it's probably isn't that far away actually mm. um, i would do exactly the same thing because why wouldn't why wouldn't you exactly exactly you've got this right now as a parent to embarrass your children exactly it's kind of exactly. why you have children really Exactly. Is that yeah. why else would you? Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, thank you, thank you, Reese, for being a fantastic yeah. guest. Um, you know, sharing his story with us and allowing us to remember that you know being silly is is the way forward, mm. essentially. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much. What a, what a top man. Very good. Um, and that's the end of another episode. Oh, and also, obviously, a bit of bonus content in for our patrons there. Don't forget to um, plug the Patreon page. Got to remember that. So, if you're listening on the sell, public sell, feed sell. now. Sell, sell, sell. Um, there is a, there's some really nice stuff, really nice stuff from Reese actually on, uh, well, I won't, I won't spoil it for you, but some lovely extra patron content there. So go to patron.com forward slash blank podcast and you'll hear that for Reese and for all our guests going forward. So uh, we'd love you to sign up. Mm. Um, and obviously, if you want to get in contact, um, you can via Patreon. That's a very good way to get in contact with us directly. But we do also have Twitter and Facebook. Obviously, we get a lot of tweets, so it's difficult for us to see all of them. But we try and we do try and uh, mm. reply to as many as possible. Um, our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram is all the same handle. It's at BlankPod. And we're not doing emails anymore. <laughs> nah, can't not, bother like, that nonsense. Not bothering. So if you want to get in contact with us for longer, get sign up to the Patreon. Yeah, and you can have a proper in-depth chat. In fact, on one of the tiers, you can sign up to our uh, Facebook patron-only Facebook group, yes. uh, which is a lot of fun happening in there as well. So, uh, yeah, join, come on board. Yeah, join the circle of trust. Join the circle of trust. There you go. Exactly. Um, and I think that's a nice way to end this week's episode. It so, is. what a lovely episode of Reese. Great mm. to hear from our listeners. Thank you to our patrons. We love you, and thank you, Giles, for being you. Well, thank you, Jim. And uh, up the palace. Up the palace. Uh, that's it. You've you thrown me with the up the palace there. I wasn't expecting <laughs> to do about that. I never know how to respond to that. Um, anyway, have a great week. Stay safe and we'll see you again soon. Goodbye. Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.